Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. And those online, thanks for joining. I'm glad all of you guys are here. It's a nice day. Heard it's to go up to 70, 75 today. Um, as, uh, for our online people, as you know, livingmessiah.com is our website. You can donate there, and we surely appreciate and we thank you for all those who do and support the ministry here. So let me, oh, first, and before we go, we have some new people. Make sure you say hello. And um, it is open mic here, so the same standards. Remember, um, just raise your hand. The mic will find its way to you if you have a question, comment, or or. Um, anything of that nature, uh, but we just asked, uh, let's try to stay on subjects, and I know that can be hard, let's stay on subject to where we're at and what we're talking about, and let's not get ahead so we all can learn together, because at the end of the day, uh, I've, I've said before, this is just like I'm sharing my personal Bible study with you, and we're all learning together, okay? That's the bottom line. I don't have it all worked out, but I'm sure all of us can do a good job together as doing the, in doing that. After all, he is called a people, a community, not individuals. So anyhow, so keep that in mind. Oh, and when the mic does come, remember, keep it close to your mouth. That helps out as far as uh, sound coming through the ward. So let me open in prayer and we can begin. Father, Yahweh, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. You are unique. Father, you are so unique and set apart. Father, we thank you for your words, that your words became flesh, and that he has dwelt among us. And Father, we come here because he has called us back to you in your ways. And Father, we need your guidance. We need your hand to guide us and help us and empower us with your spirit so we can overcome all things that come before us and the things that you would set before us. Father, we thank you for that love that we find in your son, Yahshua, our Messiah and our King. Amen. So, as far as uh, review, obviously we're in uh, Acts chapter 13. Um, you guys probably left, what, two weeks, and now you're back, and we're like, oh, we haven't moved, <laughs> in some sense. But, um, uh, but what makes this interesting in this atmosphere, we can really study what's going on, okay? So we are going to continue with Barnaba and Shaul, or Saul, on the island of uh, Cyprus, Paul has some harsh words for a false prophet, a magician that, that he had encountered here on this island. This, this prophet magician, he is described as a Jew, okay? And we can assume he should know better on what he's doing, okay? That's, I, that's a, a big assumption on my part, but I think it weighs out. Um, that he shouldn't he should have known better to be associated with these dark arts of magic or whatever you want to call it. I say this because how Paul addresses him. You sh uh, he says one of the things that he says, um, "Shall you not cease perverting the straight ways of Yahuwah? So I'm assuming Paul is assuming he should be quite aware of his wrong and where he, and what he's doing. Plus, how did Paul know he was Jewish? Maybe the prophet said so himself. Maybe it was the way he dressed, possibly. Either way, the text does say that he was a false prophet. Now, I know we've been talking about prophets for the last couple weeks, and one thing I do have to say this. If I haven't been clear, let me be very clear what I was presenting and what I see in, in the text. About prophets, you had, you had prophets of the nations and you had prophets of Yahuwah, right? Of Elohim, our Elohim, all right? Now, the New Testament has prophets, and I don't think there is one bit of difference between the two. Now, and why I say that, if the New Testament prophets are different from the Old Testament prophets, 
Ultimately, if you take that to the end, that means Yahuwah changes. I don't believe our God changes, so I believe the way the prophets operated and what they spoke and what they did are no different than any prophets that are in the New Testament. We can't start dividing that out. If so, we're throwing away our foundations, and we've learned that already. I think most of us, when we said, oh, the law is done away with, and oh my gosh, we threw away our foundation for our righteous living. Okay, so that's the premise of where I'm coming from, and I did want to mention that. So, as we can, uh, a thumbs up would be great too. Thank you, everyone. So, this happened, all this happens on uh, uh, Cyprus, and Paphos is, uh, um, excuse me, is the place, the town where it's happened. So, we read this last week, but I do want to point out we left off discussing blindness and how it is used for a metaphor for walking contrary to the commandments of Elohim. Okay? So, and I highlighted some of the words here. So this is going to set us up as we look into a prophet. So, so we see that Saul's words are harsh, but I am guessing they must be true. I'm going, I'm siding with Paul here, okay? So that they must be true. So if, and ultimately, why one of the major things that we can analyze by looking at what the text says, was it Paul's hand that caused blindness? It clearly states whose hand. It was the hand of Yah that came upon him and caused him blindness. So it's about Paul, but it's not about Paul. It's about the Almighty. And some of the words that you see here, seed of the accuser, seed of the devil, filled with deceit, recklessness, enemy of righteousness, perverting the ways of Elohim. All these are specifically, if you look at them, they have been defined for us already in the Old Testament, for lack of better words. They, they're defined for us. The foundation is already set. So... I would say then the result of mixing you know, foreign ways with Elohim's ways, that's what this prophet is doing, or at least I'm going to put forth that's what's going on because of the way Paul is dressing him. Then you could say mixing of the Elohim's ways with foreign ways or other ways of the world, you, then I think you can say that will cause blindness. Is that something that we could gather out of so far? Not understanding what was said or what was meant by the Father. That is blindness. Now, if we start really looking at that, ultimately, I'm going to get ahead of myself. And it's like, I would suggest we all have a sense of blindness going on. Okay? We can't sit and say, oh, I see everything clearly. Because we continue to learn. And it's like, hmm. I was kind of blind to that. I was blind to that. All right? So, and ultimately, if we can walk in that humility, which he asks us to do, then we're all going to be the better for it as individuals and as a community. So, it is stated here, not seeing for a season. I would suggest that's interesting. Hope is presented here. Okay, the hope of, of sight being restored again. Then we come to this idea of being led by the hand. Someone has to lead this prophet by the hand. And last week, that was very important terminology that we should pick up. But here, again, it's just for a season. That's hope, guys. We might be blinded in some things for a little bit, but if we allow him by his hand to take us, hopefully we'll see a lot clearer on some things as well. So there's hope for this person as well, which I think is great because Scripture always speaks of hope, of hope. So I may suggest this picture here is also for his people always, okay? Not just then, but always. Always a picture, everything that we're coming across. So... We have been given examples, and this idea of leading by the hand is important because this is going to take us to the wilderness 
because that's where the terminology comes from, by the hand, okay? Because he led Israel by the hand. He led his people by the hand in the wilderness, okay? So, then again, then these examples that, are, that we have, they're all based on those understandings of those pictures that we've already been given. Don't, let's, we don't need to come up with new, new concepts. We just need to go back and look at the examples we have already. And I think a lot of times we fail to do that. Okay, we got to start there. So, so ultimately then what we have going on there is to be led by the hand, you have to go back to the Old Testament. You have to go back to those things. Those stories, to me, then, are very important. All the prophets, if you go back and look at the prophets, I would, I'm going to guess uh, 95% of them, they're always saying, return to me. And this is the Exodus story that they're pointing back to. Okay? So it's return back to those ideas, those examples then that I have given you. Analyze those. Teach those to yourself and to your children's children and children and children. All right? Nothing, don't come up with anything new. If you focus on what I've given you, there's plenty there that will unlock for you. That's what I'm seeing. So what you have in the Bible should be first, in the context of the Bible should be the subject that we're looking at. So, ultimately, these examples that have uh, given us is a guide in the way of our in the ways of our Father. If we look at it that way, so ultimately, then, if you take the book of Exodus, where the nation is formed and a called-out son is labeled, Israel, my firstborn. They're coming out of Egypt. Israel as a whole is looked at as a son, right? An example would be then, if we're looking again to this idea of darkness and blindness, right? An example would be the, pa- the last plague. I mentioned this last week, the last plague. What was the last plague before anyone left Egypt? Darkness, right? So they couldn't see. So... Right? And death of the firstborn, but right before the death of the firstborn. So it was next to the, next to the big one. <laughs> right? So there's darkness next to the, that one. So it, so it was darkness. So it was darkness right before the blood of the lamb. And ultimately, it was the lamb that took the people, in some sense, to the light. The mountain, that's where the light is to receive the instructions on righteous living. So, so in some sense, then, if we're looking at this idea there about light and dark, blindness and not seeing, what we have is then this, the blood of the Lamb was like a light that lighted the way to the light. Right? Just simple things that are there. But that also brings up, oh, I'm sorry. I would be interested to think about the term return in a more deeper level. And that would be, absolutely, was it the first time that the Lord said to return was at Mount Sinai? Or was it before, even in the creation? before we received our soul, and then when was the very last time that we are turned, said to return? To me, that would be kind of an interesting concept to apply and to look at. Yes. No, thank you, because I would, I would suggest maybe coming, let's say if you take the, the Garden of Eden, being ejected, that they were ejected, there was hope that they could return. So you, in some sense, how that would look out was going to look out. I I think we could, I I think I could safely say it was always looking to someone would do that. A promise that somehow someone would bring Eve when uh, when she had Cain, 
Um, the terminology says Cain's name is to acquire. I have acquired another man. So maybe that man's going to be able to bring us back because there seems to be a promise from the very beginning that it wasn't the complete end, you know. So it can start getting really deep on those things. But the key thing is about the sun. I think the sun image in the firstborn is a, a, a basic theme from the very beginning focusing on that. So I hope that helps. It's a big subject, let's say. It's a very big subject on how, and how to return. And ultimately, there was the, the sword and the flame to guide the way back. So in its in just in that idea, there must be a way back. There must be hope. You know? Yes, exactly. Yeshua we see as the culmination of all that. That's how I would see what Messiah has done. But, so if we're back at Egypt, okay, and we got this darkness over Egypt, but there wasn't darkness over the Israelites, was it? Or the Hebrews? So they had light. Now just think about that. It means that his people always had light even though the world has darkness. Are you his people? Wow. <laughs> that's, that's pretty big. That means we have access to light and we better use it. Right? Because the world's dark. So, so there is no different than today the Exodus story in that manner. So this picture of the hand that led them in the wilderness is a picture for his people today. It's for us today. We left off with Isaiah 42, the words from our father to his children. That is being spoken in Isaiah. I'm, and that's what I see happening in Isaiah 42. Because he's a prophet. His job is to what? Correct? Bring the words of Elohim to the people, hopefully to correct their way, be a guide, give insight, and much, much more. So, so I think it, it, to me it goes great with this event here in Acts. Again, this blindness, that there's hope. And it has to do with the word of Elohim. And that is to see correctly the perversion that are before us that are not his word. To see the difference. So, because we're in a perverse world, and I'm sure all of you would agree with that. So a world right now is pretty blind and that means we, we have access to light, so that's our duty then. Not to walk in, in the darkness, so to speak. So, we're going to go to Isaiah 42. And most likely we'll go through this, and this will be the, for most of today. But I want to do this because how many times has we as a group gone through a little bit to understand what the prophet's saying. Because we always take this verse or that section, but let's see what Isaiah 42 as a whole is saying and really look at those words, see if there's more that we can get out of it. I know when I took my time, I'm like, wow, there was more here than I thought. So, Isaiah 42. Again, Blindness of the people. Who is this people? Come on, raise your hand. Hopefully uh, us. Okay. So, Isaiah 42 begins. See, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, my being has delighted in. I have put my spirit upon him. He brings forth right ruling to the nations. He does not cry out nor lift up his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A crushed reed he does not break, and a smoking flax he does not quench. He brings forth right ruling in accordance with truth. 
He does not uh, become weary or crushed until he has established right ruling in the earth and the coastlands await for his instruction or his Torah. The, uh, thus says the El, Yahuwah, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes, and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk on it. There's a lot there. And I got, I got to admit, this time I really got time to start looking. At, and I'm like, wow, I, I, I've read Isaiah plenty of times. And I've gotten a lot out of it, Isaiah. And I'm like, but I think there's so much more here. First, I want to point out, Obviously, we always look at this, the servant whom I have told, my chosen one, my being has delighted in. And we all think of Yahshua, the Messiah, right? But I pointed out last week, that's his, I believe that's 100% correct. But I, at the same time, who are you? Are you not a servant who's been called out? Are you not a son, a people who's been called out? So this is just as much about you as it is the Messiah. And I think Messiah said so himself. Follow me as I follow my Father. You need to be in me to produce anything. So that means we are servants. And I have put my spirit upon him. That means, did he not put his spirit upon you? We're in the book of Acts, right? We had the Pentecost. Right? We had the pouring out, the Spirit, and all that. So we, I think it's safe to assume he could put his Spirit within each and every one of you just as much as the Messiah. Now, Messiah, obviously, he did much better than any of us will ever do. But that doesn't negate us from continuing that walk, right? So, so who is people? Okay. And it's, it's interesting. Where did I? My servant whom I must hold, my chosen one. Psalm speaks of this. And these are the other aspects. I've always bring in that idea of a son. For he spoke of someone else being chosen, and that's Jacob. And Psalms 135 verse 4. For Yah has chosen Jacob. Same wording, and ultimately you see how that fits as being chosen as well. Jacob for himself, Israel for his treasured possession, who smote the firstborn of Egypt from man to beast. Again, you hear in Psalms 135 this reference back to this huge event that happened in the Exodus. So, I do see this is a picture of the servant nation collectively and the servant Messiah, like I stated, at this time. The big difference, obviously, Messiah has done it much, much better than we could ever do. But ultimately, Messiah is that image of the good son, the servant, who accomplished that. So if he has accomplished that, then it means wise to follow after one who did accomplish that. And how did he accomplish that? Obeying his father, which would be the Torah, those commands. Nothing new, right? So again, and now too, some of what you're reading here, if you see something, just raise your hand. But I want to point out this part here, smoking flax, the wick. The light does not go out. That's interesting terminology. That could bring up a light being lit. Ultimately, maybe that's the menorah that the priests maintain daily. But I think more important, how does that apply to us? It's we have to maintain our light. Because if we don't, It'll go out. It's as clear as that. If you don't snip off that as that wick, as your light burns, all that grunge, you better, <laughs> you better get it off so that light can continue because tomorrow there's going to be more of that there, right? Because we're always, always maintaining that. And ultimately, uh, light 
Not like the world of knowledge. They use light as knowledge. That's the Greek thought. Light, I would, well, I would firmly say, refers only to his commands and the things he says. And that's quite different than the world. Because his knowledge, you need to act on it and do it to even know it. Out in the world, they throw around light, knowing everything. You're right. But you see drastically how Elohim is different, how he lays things out a lot different. So this smoking flax, I think, is an illustration of Messiah and us. But so with Messiah, what was it? He held to his father's word to the end, till he was right snuffed out, let's say. But that didn't last now, did it? He continues to burn right now. So, and all this is according to what? His, we await his instructions. And it's in those right rulings. Paul has his hand up. So it's according to what? And I, I think it's, it's interesting looking at these. Go ahead, Paul. You mind if I deviate a little bit off topic? Sure. <laughs> All right. One of the things that you brought out is that this applies to us. And the idea of a smoking flax he does not quench. It's like a thin, barely lit candle that's trying to hang on, trying to get, like you used the neshama or the ruach, trying to get air because fire cannot burn without breath or air. And it's barely hanging on, and he doesn't snuff it out. How about us? When people are barely grasping mm. this walk, this Torah, do we snuff them out? Do we, because even if you have something that's barely lit, if too much wind comes, it will blow it away. So this is what popped in my head because, you know, it's one of the things that, yeah, we walk this out, we're doing the Torah hey, look at us, you know, we got it going on, but are we walking in humility mm -hmm. and the same mercy that our Father extended to us as we were walking through this journey? So don't want to deviate too much, but that was pressed upon me, so I thought I'd speak. No, I think it's a beautiful picture, Paul, of looking at that and our responsibility as we all grow. And I, I can't say it any better than you did. We very easily can cause someone light to go out and they'll never want to come back to get that light again. Messiah didn't walk that way. You know, he didn't run into the Pharisees and told them how they were whatever. He did talk with them, but his goal wasn't that. So it's, you know. But no, I think that's a lot we can learn. He does not... Uh, become weak or crushed until he established right ruling in the earth in the coastlands await for his Torah. One thing I thought was, this is all according to what? His instructions. Are they new? They're not new. Nothing is new here. It's all the same, same instructions that are brought forward. And if that's the case, then are your instructions any different? No, not at all. I think Dan wanted to say something. I think I know what he's going to say. So the Messiah did correct the Pharisees. What's interesting about his correction to them is that nearly always they're approaching him. They don't like the, the deeds that he's doing that are proclaiming whose hand it is that's doing it. 
which is another evidence of the spirit that's upon somebody. They're doing, we're going to talk about that in the main study, is when the spirit comes upon the person, they're doing the work of his kingdom. They're being not just commissioned, but they're being enabled to do the things of his kingdom. So because he's doing the things of the kingdom, and they know they're not, they know the people are looking and watching, so they're coming and asking questions, but what authority do you do this? All these kinds of questions. He corrects them and says, well, you're the ones that set aside the commandments of him for the commandments of mankind. So that might have been where you were going to go with that. Yes, Paul. Adding on to that, I think there's a difference between people who are learned and supposedly walking according to the Torah and those who are coming to a knowledge of barely grasping it in terms of the light. Some people reject the light. They reject it. So what it's not about, well, they reject the light. Let's be nice. Let's do this. You know, no, it's really a matter of saying, okay, there are ones that are coming into this walk that may not understand. You can overwhelm them with information or you can discourage them because they don't fully grasp. Maybe they're still eating not biblically clean or they're not doing something else. And so we have to be careful in how we approach that. Uh, now, if I'm going to talk to a religious leader, my conversation, my tone Much might be completely yeah. different because this is someone who is claiming that they know when people come into this walk, they're not claiming that they know. Yes. No, I think that's a good uh, distinction that we have to recognize. But I do say, uh, too, in this, I do see he, he brings right, right, bring forth right ruling in accordance with what? Truth. And we know who is true. We know whose words are true. So if this is about the Messiah, which I would agree, then he brings forth truth that goes back to, to what was at Mount Sinai and beforehand. And if that's the case, then that's where we need to follow Messiah as well. Back to that. Verse 5 is interesting to me. Thus says El, who created the heavens, earth, stretched them out, breathing on the earth, uh, who gives breath to the people on it and the spirit to those who walk on it. That is very interesting. I, I, I'm sure there's various ways that we can understand that. One of the things that, um, in my thought process, that was I thought kind of deep here that giving of the spirit is it in some sense is it to everybody and we have a hand up over here as well I would say yes but it seems like because of the context and what we're talking about it seems like this spirit is given to those who walk in the things of the master Something to consider, yes. So I just wanted to touch on what you said about things of the old, the ancients. Mm -hmm. So the ancients were taught the Torah has four levels of understanding. Peshat, Ramez, Drash, and Sod. We're speaking on it as a community and whole, but we're all confused because we're not on the same page. So the Sod level is the mysterious, the spiritual aspect. The drash is the principles, the truths that you pull out of the teachings. The remez, it's hinting at something. It's hinting at something Yeshua. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the, the Peshat is just as it's simply written. I think as a community, if we understand we all have to be on the same page and understand the way the ancients were taught, and if we have that understanding, then we'll grow much more and we'll shine as the luminaries that we are because Yeshua is in us. Mm. Thank you. This idea of quenching the, uh, the smoking flax, the light. First, that's the only five. It speaks of this, five, nineteen. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Prove them all. There's only one way to prove them all. 
Hold fast to what is good. Keep back from every form of wickedness, because we know what those are. And the Elohim of peace himself has set you um, completely apart. And your entire spirit and being and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our master, Yeshua, Messiah. Same principles are working here for me. Let's continue on. And Yahweh have called you in righteousness. He, that's pointing directly at you. He had called you in righteousness. And I, and I take hold of your hand and guard you. There's, to me, the big connection. Because his prophet, ultimately he had hope, there needed to be someone to take him by the hand to guide him. That is, to me, a big picture of the Exodus. And ultimately here, I see it in Isaiah. And give you for a covenant of people, for a light to the nations or the, the Gentiles. Has he given Messiah that? Or is that more about us than it is Messiah? Because it says people. He has given you guys a covenant of people to be a light to those out there. A covenant people. And what's the purpose of that? To open the open blind eyes and bring out of prison from those from from the prison those who sit where in darkness in the prison house. So we have this aspect of light and blindness and darkness. I am Yahweh. That is my name. And my esteem I do not give to another, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things, predictions, former have come, and new ones I'm declaring before they spring forth. I let you hear them. Sing to Yahuwah a new song. His praises from the ends of the earth, you who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you coastlands and the inhabitants thereof. There's a lot of interesting things here. I spoke about taking by the hand, like the prophet we, in Acts. He was in how that relates to the Exodus story in a big manner. Messiah is a light to the people, but yet if we are to become that light, then we become, ultimately, the theme is, yeah, man, you might say it's repetitive, but seems like he wants us to get this idea because he keeps talking about light, darkness, being blind, not being blind, being my servant over and over again, just in this little bit that we're reading in Isaiah. So how are we to be a light? Because we then were called in righteousness. Obviously, that righteousness goes back to the things that our Father has called us to walk in, to be righteous. And ultimately, Yeshua, he did the very same. So you cannot change our Messiah and what he has done. And I know in other places, Isaiah says, when I formed you. I'm speaking here to this one particular part. My esteem, my glory, I do not give to another, nor my praise to idols. That is, I'm going to present to you what I see here. When I formed you, when I formed you as a people coming out of Egypt or formed you when you come back to my covenant and my ways, right? But specifically the picture that we get when he took Jacob and ultimately Jacob was in Egypt, he came out, he formed a nation. And he formed those people to have a covenant with him. Ultimately, that covenant then would be a light to the rest of the nations. So we see the picture of Jacob, Israel, the Son, the Messiah. Like earlier, sister, you talked about 
the promised son. Or in some ways, aren't you maybe a promised son too, if you follow? Just like Messiah, he promised these things to you. If you walk in these ways, if you be my servant, Messiah came with the promise of the Father that his spirit would be in you. But I give my esteem, I do not give it to any other. That is huge. And why I say that, that is to me Mount Sinai. He has not come down and established a covenant with any other people. He did not share his glory with any other people, not with idols, not with that. He himself come down. He chose the people to share who he was. He didn't do it with several types of people across the planet at one big time. No, he chose one place. One place. And if that is the case, then we all got to go back to that one place because that's the only place that he shared who and revealed who he was to a people. He didn't share that. Ultimately, we get that sharing now, but at that time, and he hasn't done that. No other religion, like I said, can proclaim and have a, uh, I thought I saw John here, but have that, oh, there's John. John had stayed in that, it's always stuck with me, you know, uh, with other religions and what have you. And he says, Show me, show me your, your witnessing that happened. Show me your Mount Sinai experience. If you don't have that, you don't have anything. And that's what we have, Mount Sinai. We have witnesses, Elohim coming down, not sharing it with every, but sharing with the people to go do what he wants to do. Dan. In, in keeping in line with what you're saying, uh, in Matthew chapter 12, Matthew quotes the first four verses here and says, and this fulfills the scripture, which is the first four verses here. And I was thinking this morning that, yes, this was, by the way, Matthew, speaking of Messiah, he is the fulfillment. He has brought the fullness of these verses to light in him being here when he was here. But Isaiah if you read the whole chapter, he, Israel was called to be this light, to be his servant that he, um, what's the word say, that he delights in. But Israel would not obey, would not obey, would not obey. And if we read the chapter at the end, they're the ones who are blind. Who is blind but my servant? My servant is blind because they will not do what I say. But Messiah came as the obedient son. son. Yes. In whom the Father delighted, and then in him were called to worship in spirit and truth and want to walk in his ways. If you don't want to walk in his ways, you will not make it in his walk, right? You will be deaf and blind, but the Father is, he lives to open the eyes and the ears of those who want to walk in his ways, and that's who we are when we come to Messiah, or people that want to walk in his ways, and he delights in us as we do that. Awesome. That speaks a lot about what I what we'll see that Isaiah is saying. Yes. And even going a little farther further with that statement is that I had a question in my mind. Did Elohim was he on Mount Sinai and the people gathered, or did the people gathered and then he showed? I'd have to see. That's a good question. Right off the top because, of my head, I don't. I'm, yeah, I've got to go through see the events how it happened. Because I'm thinking that he came down. It says that he came down before the people. So maybe they had to come and then he came. I don't. Yeah, because I see that the people in in one of my thoughts was the people had together. It was an action on the part of the people. And we have to have an action on our part to work out that Mount Sinai experience in ourselves and other people as we witness. Yeah. Awesome. Uh-huh. Thank you. And then we have Paul. And as the mic's coming to Paul, where it's uh, speaking so about uh, Paul and I have the same word. We're oh. two, two or oh, more. I'm sorry. We're yeah. two or more gathered. There I am. Two or more. You know, it comes back down to the parents too. We need 
to be gathered to the Lord. Like you said, he's offered it there. We're there. We need to open up and come to him. We need to teach our kids to come to him so they will teach their kids to come to the Lord. I think we forgot that or it hasn't happened or hasn't been patented down, but it needs to be passed down so they'll know about the Lord and what's going on. Yeah, thank you. So um, I could be wrong, so I don't mind being corrected. Um, My memory is in Exodus chapter 23 that Moshe approached the people with the words, and they said, all that we have heard, we shall obey. And then he went up, and then Yahweh came down yeah. the second that's time. Right. And that's when the 70 elders were allowed to go a little bit more, and they had the fellowship meal with them, and they weren't struck dead. But see, they agreed, yes, and then the glory, and they were able to fellowship. So there was a two-part thing that happened. Yes, they had to come together but they also agreed to receive the words that they had been given. And that, that, if I'm correct, is in Exodus chapter 23 through Exodus Exodus 24. Thank you, Paul. No, and I think that's a very good point that's out there. That is understanding the patterns and how things happen and what was said in between those things. Yeah, there was so much that went on. And I think when we just blow through Exodus and don't really analyze that, we're, we're seeing a bigger picture of who we are. And it says here, the, the former things have come. The former, I would suggest uh, the things I promised to Abraham have come to pass. Um, behold, they have come to pass. I have kept my promise. And now new things I, I, I am going to tell the people. But to promise them concerning, this is rabbinic, and I think this is interesting. The comment here is, you know, I promised my people, but there's new things. And because the first promise was about the exile out of Egypt, I will visit them. But the new things to come that are promised is the second exile. And ultimately, I would say, the promise of the Messiah that would come. Let the wilderness and the cities lift up their voice, the villages their uh, Kadar dwells. Let the inhabitants of uh, Selah sing. Let them shout from the tops of the mountains. Let them give esteem, glory to, and wait to Yahuwah and declare his praise to the coastlands. Yahweh goes forth like a mighty man. He stirs up Ador like a fighter. He, he cries out, yea, shout aloud over his enemies. He shows himself mightily. I have, ke- I have kept silent from old. I have been still and held myself back like a woman in labor. I now cry out. I pant and grasp at once. I lay waste mountains and hills and dry up all their plants and I shall make rivers become coastlands and dry up the pools. Let's focus on this woman. Like a woman in labor. A woman in labor? When a woman is labor, where's the focus? Because he's saying, I'm like a woman in labor. Where's the focus? Come on, that should be easy. Where's the focus? It's on the woman and the child, right? There's the big focus. Everyone else, right? I would hope. And then ultimately, it's about that child. (laughs) What? (laughs) So I think that's interesting. Here, he's saying, okay, if... If I can take he, if he is saying, I'm like a woman in labor, the focus should be on me and my son. Okay, yes, we can jump to Messiah, but hey, let's go back and say, who's the first son collectively that he's called? Israel. The focus is on him and my son, Israel, my people. Yes. 
Because to me, nothing else is important. The focus is the birth of the child to come. There was something said earlier about uh, children, and Wendy whispered it to me while, while it was bantered about a few moments ago. And I think that even the Creator recognizes that it is far easier um, uh, to uh, teach our children diligently uh, in the Shema every day than it is to uh, unlearn some bad golf swings, like with yes. the, uh, the Israelites after they had left Mitzrayim, that they needed to wander for 40 years because unlearning their Egyptian golf swing was a lot more difficult than <laughs> yeah. trying to uh, raise up children from the get-go, which is why we're suffering so much now, is that uh, there has been so little rearing of uh, Torah-obedient children that, uh, uh, you know, in Matthew, uh, was Um, but Yahuwah uh, said, Allow the young children, and do not stop them from coming to me, for of such is the kingdom, or is the reign of the Shamayin. And uh, I just felt that it was important that we recognize that we're paying for um, the, our failure in the, in the uh, oh, Shema every day. Exactly. Thank you. Let me finish with this, and maybe we can get back... Uh, uh, next week, briefly go through uh, the rest of Isaiah and on to uh, the rest of Acts. But here to me, it's about this child. Remember the nation is a child. The firstborn redeemed from Egypt. This is Isaiah speaking about that, I would suggest. Okay? So the care of the woman with the child, the picture of the people to care for the seed planted in them. Hmm. The child planted in them. That seed. And to me, this is, makes a lot of sense. Maybe I could say this differently. If we are that woman and in us is a seed... Ultimately, the word of Elohim. What are we going to do with that seed? Messiah gave us the parable of the soils, did he not? What are you going to do? Are you going to let that seed grow? Are you going to let the word of Elohim grow within you and walk it out? Or like the different soils, what happens? So ultimately there, I would say, I think we can say, are you going to let Elohim birth a righteous child you in you a righteous child in you by his word so let me close here father yahuwah great and mighty you are there's none like you father we thank you for your words you have so much to teach us and guide us and we just thank you that we have a place that we can gather and discuss you and your ways and may it be pleasing and please continue to give us insight and guidance by your hand Father, we all need help, and we thank you that you're willing to help us. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone, and those online. Thanks for joining us, and we'll get back to this next week.